Are you ready to change your life, your mind, and change the way you see your world? Well, this is the Minds Gym Podcast with myself, Brandon Bickmore, your turbo lover. And here we go. you this brandon bickmore your turbo lover this is the minds gym podcast here to share some uh, beautiful minds and uh, hopefully assist in changing lives and hopefully change the way you see your world and to create some more peace and love on this beautiful planet i suffered from severe anxiety and depression for several several years recently and i hope by sharing other stories in my story and experiences that will benefit you. And here again, I want to thank you guys for your support. Um, it's been incredible. And and please subscribe and please tell all your friends uh, so we can keep this thing rocking and rolling. Uh, I've got an exciting guest today. Uh, one of my dad's best friend's son, his name's Todd Sylvester. Uh, his dad's name's Bob Sylvester, and he's been hounding me for two months to get his <laughs> son on my podcast. Yes, he has. So finally, we uh, our schedules uh, were able to uh, work out, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, chat here with Todd. And uh, he's got a podcast himself that's a belief cast called Todd Sylvester Inspires, and I've heard several of his podcasts, and he's had some amazing guests on there. And uh, I'm pretty darn excited to have this guy on the show today, so... Uh, Welcome, Todd. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. And I didn't realize you called yourself Turbo Lover. That's, <laughs> that's uh, it reminds me of the old Judas Priest song back in the day, Turbo Lover, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so just so you know, the last four or five uh, episodes, my intro music is your Turbo Lover from Judas serious? Priest. Nice. I didn't know yeah. that. That's so great. You, you need to hear the intro okay. and then it, it uh, goes into another song by Joan Osborne. That, okay. uh, and, uh, I'm not sure the name of the song, but it says in it, what if God was one of us? Oh, yeah. So I do a little <laughs> heavy metal old school and then I break it down break with it, rolling it right back into Hey, cool. you know. Yeah, very cool. Bring it into, you know, God and... and sure. Maybe he's here floating around uh, yeah. in one of us. Maybe, yeah. And all of us, actually. Yeah. It's kind of what I want to chat about a little bit is the, sure. the oneness that uh, that the world's striving to uh, to become, you know? Mm-hmm. Talk about why uh, religions separate and stuff like that. So we'll chat a little bit about that. But anyways, tell me a bit about you, Todd, and a little bit of your life story. I know I went to the Odyssey house and listen to your uh, little presentation, maybe mm-hmm. an hour presentation. It was incredible. Yeah. I know you talked about some addiction with alcohol yeah. and uh, and uh, maybe a little basketball story, and then maybe um, share uh, a little bit about that and a little bit about your upbringing just briefly, and, and we'll go from there. Sure. Sounds great. Uh, and again, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on, and uh, hopefully your listeners will appreciate uh, some things that we talk about and some principles I can share that I've learned over the years. And 
Um, you mentioned my dad. Um, I grew up uh, in a, actually a very fun, loving home, honestly. My dad was the, the life of the party, and everyone loved him. Uh, just like today, everyone just loves the guy. And, and uh, you know, my friends were no different growing up. My friends always felt so welcome in my house with my mom and my dad, and they just brought him in just like their own kids, and it was really cool. And, uh, and my dad, you know, at a very young age, and I like to share this a lot. He, he taught me one of the most powerful things that I still use today, even with my own kids. But at the time, I didn't really appreciate it. But it was about how, you know, what we put our minds to and what we think about can come to pass if we put enough effort into that area. And, and he just taught me to believe in myself and to, to move forward. And so sports was a big part of my upbringing. My dad loved sports, and so and I loved them too. And my dad really pushed me in playing those um, all kinds of sports growing up, which led to uh, at the time, you know, when I was younger, you know, I started having more confidence in myself as a kid. And I think most kids struggle with, you know, trying to find their place in life and self-esteem issues and things like that. And I was no different. I struggled with that a lot. But when I was practicing and playing sports and games, I really felt you know, like I mattered in those moments, you know, and sure. I knew my dad was proud of me and my mom was as well. But, um, but yeah, I, uh, you know, I've, I've been a, I'm a counselor currently at Wasatch Recovery Treatment Center. I've been there for, I think coming on six years now. Um, I call it the greatest university on the planet because it, it's a university. I mean, everything that's taught there and the principles that we teach, every person on this planet needs it. It doesn't matter if you have an addiction or not. And uh, it's it truly is a remarkable place. And I'm so grateful to be able to work there. Um, and I've been life coaching and speaking um, about my story for close to 30 years now. And uh, that's been a fun ride. And it's been something that I never saw happening before. I used to be afraid to talk to people um, talk about anxiety. I had it so bad when I was younger that getting out of bed felt impossible. Like even getting up to brush my teeth felt like I, that's just too much. And any time in school, if I had to give a presentation like in class, I would fake sick and just pretend my stomach hurt and my mom would always just let me stay home. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just because I was avoiding to... You know, I have to stand in front of people and now this is what I do for a living. <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. One of your biggest fears... Yeah, so it's and been you've really conquered it. Conquered it. Uh, still get those butterflies at times, but it's more excitement than than nervousness. And um, learned that uh, you know I don't need to be afraid of that anymore, which has been really cool. And you know I uh, I do a my my life coaching business is called Todd Sylvester Inspires, and you know I get to see you know upwards to you know twenty to twenty five people every week, and I do probably two or three speaking events every month and I do a podcast like you said call, uh, that I call it a belief cast because it's about belief systems and I'm really passionate about those because beliefs dictate our behavior and I just I don't know I'm do, I, I've got a wife uh, my wife's name's Bonnie and I have four children who are amazing I love them all so much and they support me in what I'm doing and they've been wonderful so I you know, that's a little background on me. Sure. I know it's probably maybe more than you wanted. No, that's but, all right. Uh, Tell me, I remember the story from uh, when it went to the Odyssey house. Uh, you talked about your addiction uh, with alcohol and uh, uh, the basketball experience. I think you said you 
You know, you went to sure. Brighton High School, graduate. I think you got a college offer to play basketball. Right. And then that's where the addiction kind of yeah, so took over. So explain that to uh, us a little bit more yeah, in detail. You bet. And it, it was actually the Other Side Academy where I think you came. Oh, the Other Side Academy. Yeah. Is that where it was? Yeah. Okay. So, but it doesn't, I guess sure. it doesn't matter too much. But it's all right. I um, want to give them props. Absolutely. <laughs> give them all props. Yeah, they're amazing. Sure. They're an amazing uh, organization and program. But, uh, yeah, uh, basketball was my passion growing up. And... I had this like all or nothing mentality that I noticed as a young kid that uh, when I would set my mind to something, I would move forward with it no matter what. And if I wasn't, if I didn't want to do it, I was all out. I didn't have this middle ground kind of thing, which can be a good thing, but can also be a very, you know, destructive thing and which we'll find out a little bit later in my story. But I was passionate about sports. My dad, you know, always encouraged me to keep playing and working hard. And he really set it up for me to be good at sports. We had a basketball pad on the side of our house and he had me in every camp and everything. I mean, it was awesome. And I, I, again, my childhood was amazing in that aspect. It was just amazing. And, um, in eighth grade, I decided I was going to focus all my energies basically on basketball. I didn't want to play any other sport um, at that time. I think I still played a few others, but I wasn't into it at all. I didn't want to. It was just basketball was like where my head was. And I, I knew that um, if I was going to go anywhere with basketball, I was going to have to really work hard. I wasn't a gifted athlete. I wasn't, you know, big. I was really the short little skinny kid. And... So I started, you know, seventh and eighth grade practicing two or three hours every single day and just obsessed with it. You know, I drove my neighbors nuts because the ball was bouncing all the time. Like they would call my fam- my parents, would you tell that kid to quit bouncing the ball? <laughs> and uh, so I just fell in love with it and and it was a great thing. And so that continued. I ended up making the freshman team at Brighton High School, which was great. We had about 18 kids on the team, which meant I didn't get to play very much because you know, there was just a lot of kids and I, you know, kind of frustrated me a little bit, but it fueled my desire to keep practicing even harder. And um, towards the end of that year, I went to Bear Lake. Uh, towards the end of my freshman year, I went to Bear Lake with a friend of mine and his family for a four-day weekend. And that's when I got introduced to marijuana for the first time with this friend. And we ended up smoking for four straight days up there. <laughs> <laughs> and And... I'll never forget my friend saying, I didn't even know what it was when he pulled yeah. out this bag of marijuana. I was like, what is this? And he's like, yeah. it's marijuana. And he goes, you're going to love it. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. let's do this. And I did. I felt, I'm like, man, this feels good. Yeah. And I fell in love with it. And that all or nothing mentality kind of kicked in in my head. I thought, I'm going to do this every day. Yeah. I mean, why not? If this feels yeah. that good, I'm going to keep going. And so that continued a week later, as a matter of fact, I, I had another friend uh, whose parents went out of town for the weekend, and you know they asked me if I'd ask a family member to, to get us some beer, and so I asked this family member, and sure enough, got ten cases of beer for this party, and wow. and I actually drank so much the first time that I blacked out. I don't even, I don't even remember half the night, and woke up the next day with my friends going, "Dude, you were so crazy last night. You were." talking to these girls and you know I was afraid of girls man it's like I was talking to who really and I half the night I don't even remember but again 
hearing my friends say these things kind of fed my ego. Sure. And I thought, wow, you know, all or nothing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do this every weekend. Sure. I'm going to smoke every day. I'm going to yeah. party, drink on the weekends, throw a party yeah. or go to a party, and then continue practicing basketball, which I did. I still was practicing two or three hours, dedicated going to camps. Yeah. Between my freshman and sophomore year, I grew eight inches. Wow. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. Which, I mean, I, I remember wow. laying in bed and my knees would hurt. I could feel the, like, growing pains. It really... Like my shins would hurt, my ankles, my elbows. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but I practiced so hard that I ended up making the, the sophomore team and made the starting point guard and also played some varsity that year as well. I um, wonder, just not to interrupt you. No, you're good. I didn't know that marijuana alcohol helped you grow taller. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Is know there a secret happened. to that stuff that, that no one's sharing with us? Not that I'm aware of. I heard it stunts your growth. <laughs> That's what I thought. Maybe I'd be a lot taller. I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I grew, yeah. Maybe because I was at the beginning stages of it, but I had heard that. It stunts your growth. Yeah, and, But it sure. didn't really stunt mine yeah. very much. So <laughs> um, so anyway, this just kind of led to me partying even more, and I got bored with just smoking and, and drinking every weekend, and I started drinking during the day, during the week, and you know, and I just started getting this reputation as this partier in high school, and I kind of just bought into it, and I actually felt... I wore it kind of like as a badge of honor, yeah. you know. And You finally had an identity. Yeah. And you were cool. Yeah, I was cool. And right. when my parents would go out of town, I would throw a kegger at my house, and mm-hmm. I would invite the entire school. We'd have like, you know, 400 people mm-hmm. jam-packed in this teeny little house. Yeah. <laughs> and just, just stuff like And I got this mentality in my head that I didn't care, and I was just going to party hard and again it felt like identity people thought it was cool I I would talk to girls that I normally would be completely afraid of when I was sober and uh, so I continued with this pattern which was uh, very destructive by the time Um, so so, let me jump back a little bit with basketball so sophomore year we took first in state my junior year we took second in state my senior year we took first in state and um, I was voted team captain with two other guys and I mean, we just had a good run. I played with some amazing athletes. and uh, But my senior year is when things really started to catch up to me. I, at this point, I'm, I'm doing mushrooms. I'm, I'm popping. Sp- Back then, it was speed. Speed mm-hmm. was the thing, right? You know, yeah. cross tops. And so I was popping those, snorting those. Started doing cocaine a little bit as well. Wow. And you were heavy. Yeah, started getting pretty heavy with the stuff. And senior year is when I noticed, and I had this voice my whole life, and everyone has it on some level, this negative voice in my head that was telling me that I was pathetic, I was no good, I'll never make it, no girl's ever going to want to date me. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I was somewhat sober and walking down the hallways in school, I just felt depressed and sad and less than. and, And I would put on a mask when I was around my friends, which I think most kids at that age do. We put on a mask and we're like, yeah, everything's good. I'm funny. I'm cool. But deep down, I really was insecure and was really starting to kind of build this hatred towards myself. And my senior year, um, the drug drug use and the drinking was really out of control at this point. And um, I would play a couple really good games and then a couple really bad games. And even my mom and dad were like, what's wrong? What's going on? And I didn't put it with the partying. Mm-hmm. My coaches were asking me what's up. And I'm like, I don't know. And 
so anyway, like I said, we took state, and um, the state final game, I played the best game of my senior career, if you want to say it that way, and it was amazing. Um, that night, I ended up snorting cocaine on uh, at a party and just went really hard, and and a week later, I got offered a full-ride scholarship, and wow. I, that was my goal. I'm like, man, I've got it. I was yeah. so excited. I was like, my parents were so proud, obviously, and... Right. And uh, my friends, I, I was bragging to my friends, I've got this. And, yeah. and they all were so supportive because they knew how hard I worked. Because even my friends knew I was practicing my butt off. Even yeah. though I was partying hard, they knew. Yeah. Where was, where's Todd this morning? He's on the basketball yeah. court practicing. And yeah. and so, um, but I wasn't seeing the dist- this bomb that was coming right. my, into my life. And uh, so, anyway, so that continued my senior year. Um, started practicing after I graduated with the team I got the scholarship with. About two weeks into it, the coach pulls me into his office and sits me down and says, you know, what's going on? And right when he said that, Brandon, I was like, oh, boy, I'm in trouble. Because I hadn't been practicing like I normally had been. Yeah. And mentally, spiritually, physically, I was a complete mess. Wow. And I just said, coach, I know I'm not playing well. I will try harder. I will give a better effort and and I was scared to death as he's saying this and then he just looks at me and goes there's kids who have walked on that want this more than you and I'm taking away your scholarship wow and I'll never forget it I literally got on my knees and begged this coach and I got I mean it tears me up even right now I was like please give me another chance do not take this away and he's like I don't have time to waste Todd and he goes I'm sorry I'm taking it away wow and I left that office thinking how am I going to tell my dad and how am I going to tell my friends? Because yeah. I had been bragging, you know, like, sure. hey, I got this scholarship. Now I somehow have to say I don't have it anymore. Yeah. And I'm like, and in my head, I'm like, how can I lie about this? How can I come up with some crazy story that would somehow make me look somewhat good instead yeah. of just saying I'm not good enough and I'm, you know, I wasn't, you know, mentally, spiritually a mess. And so the coach didn't want that on his team. And, and looking back, I don't blame him. Sure. Um, but at the time, I was devastated and. And when this happened, I became really, really depressed and suicidal, actually. I started thinking about ending my life. Yeah. And that continued um, for the next several months. When I would drink, I would punch holes in the wall. I'd put chairs through windows. Um, head, I'd throw, you know, I'd just do crazy stuff. Sure. And just because I was hurting, I would just do some really um, irrational behaviors and stuff. And... Uh, Ended up trying out at several other colleges and got cut from every one of them. Hmm. And then I found myself living in Orem and uh, in this house with five other guys. And it was just this party house. And, and I'm not kidding you. It was like, I call it the, na- uh, nas- the nasty house yeah. because we didn't clean it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like if you went into the shower, I mean, it's like mold everywhere. <laughs> it was, you know, you picture five guys living in a house and yeah. you don't clean it. It gets pretty dirty quick. Oh, yeah. and, like, we would throw beer bottles against the, the brick wall we had in our basement, let them shatter, and we wouldn't clean it up. Wow. People would pee in the corners at parties in the house. Uh, out of control. It was out of control. It was bad. And, again, the reason why I point this out maybe to your listeners is this house was an outward manifestation of my inner world. Yeah. My inner world was a mess, so my yeah. outer world just mirrored it. That's what you projected, right? Exactly. And so... I didn't realize it at the time, but sure. you know now I know yeah. that. And so, yeah. anyway, that's when things got just really, really bad in, in my life at that point. Hmm. Wow, know? crazy story. 
Yeah. So then where was the big shift, do you believe? Yeah, well, uh, that's a great question, and it's a kind of a lengthy answer, if that's all right. Is it? Um, but the shift happened when I'm sitting in that house down in Orem with these five other guys. I'm hungover. I'm depressed, sad. That voice in my head's telling me, you're pathetic, you're no good, you can't do this. No one ever is going to want to be with you. Who loses their scholarship after practicing two or three hours since seventh grade? Yeah. I mean, just beating myself up. Right. And I just said, I'm going to kill myself. Really? My dad had a shotgun in his uh, closet. I knew where the shells were. And I was going to go home um, over the weekend. This was a Thursday, by the way, and I re- I'll never forget it. I don't remember the exact date, but I remember it was an actual Thursday. Because on the weekends, I would go home and... I was a bartender at a restaurant, uh, which at the time I thought was a cool idea because I could get all the free booze I wanted. Sure, you were dialed in. Yeah, I was dialed in. And so anyway, when this realization hit me in the head that basketball's over, you're done. I mean, you'll never play on a college level. It's over. You've missed the window. That realization was like, I'm done. Hmm. I just want to be dead. Yeah, it's the end of your world because your identity got crushed. Yep. And, and the partying wasn't like it used to be. Like, and I have friends at this point who are graduating from college who have been, they're married, they're moving on in their lives. They, it seems like they've got their careers now. And I've got zero, you know, pretty much zero college credit. I'm just partying and I'm a bartender. Wow. And I've lost all the, the, the dream that I had as a kid, gone. Hmm. And so that realization, I just thought, again, I'm a, you know, I'm a piece of shit. I'm less than, right. you know. And wow. so, um, and so Friday comes and I'm driving down University Avenue and I, at the time I was attempting to go to school at Utah Valley Community College at the time is what it was called back then. And, um, but I wasn't, I didn't go to class. We would just go to the lunchroom and kind of socialize with the guys and check out girls and do those kind of things that we do. And, and as I'm driving to get on the freeway to go home and end my life, the Utah Valley Community College is right there at the freeway entrance. I decide, for whatever reason, I thought, I'm going to go to the lunchroom because that's where everyone is right now. Hmm. So it must have been around lunchtime because that's what we would do. And I thought, for some reason, I thought, I'll go there first, kind of like my last goodbye to my friends sure. al- almost. And uh, <clears throat> and I so I decided I pull, in, I pull into Utah Valley Community College, I go to the lunchroom, I sit down, and they have these big round tables where... 12 people can sit and chat and talk. And I was sitting there and all my friends are on the left side of me. If you go around the, you know, around the table for your listeners and next to me are these uh, two LDS girls sitting next to me. And these two girls, for whatever reason, would sit at our table every day. (laughs) And I'm not kidding you. They, I would tease them about their religion. I would tease them about God. I would tease them about... It's all it's all a sham, and they would just laugh and let it smile off their backs, and they drove me nuts. Yeah, <laughs> not because they were bad people, but because honestly, I, they seemed so happy. At least it seemed that way, and yeah. I know you know you never know for sure, but right. but it felt like they were happy. I was miserable, and I think I was just you know hurting so much that they just drove me nuts. How can sure. you be that happy? Yeah, jealousy, yeah. jealousy. Yeah. So as I'm sitting there, as I'm sitting there. 
as I'm sitting there thinking about ending my life, I overhear these two girls. <laughs> Sorry, a little, little right. audio difficulty a there. A little phone ringing on the computer. Yeah. So um, the two girls sitting there at the table. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there in my own head thinking about what I'm going to go home and do, and everyone's in their own conversations. I'm not talking to anyone this day. I'm just sitting there listening, but really in my own head thinking, I'm going to go kill myself. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. Life's too hard. I don't know who to turn to. And I overhear these two girls just hearing their conversations in my ear that I hear them talking about fasting and prayer. Never heard that word fasting before, honestly. I didn't even know what that meant. I was Mm -hmm. like, what is that? But... I wanted to say something, but I didn't dare say anything in front of everyone at the table for whatever reason. Yeah. I just didn't want to get into that conversation. So I thought maybe when they get up, I'll, I'll go ask them. So everyone kind of gets up eventually to go where they're going to go. And these two girls, you know, head off into, the, into a direction towards the cafeteria. Right. And I decide I'd start following them. <laughs> and I'm actually nervous to even tap them on the shoulder like, oh, do I dare say anything? Yeah. And then I finally said, oh, what, you know. What, what do I have to lose? So sure. I just kind of tap them on the shoulder and they turn around and they said, what's up? And I said, hey, I have a question for you. And they said, what? And I said, were you just talking about fasting and prayer? And they said, yeah, why do you want to know? <laughs> and I, and cause I had, you know, kind of teased them to a point where they're probably thinking I'm messing with them. And I said, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. Like I, I have no idea what that is. What is it? And they just go on to talk about, hey, in our religion, we fast once a month and we, you know, we start with a prayer. We go the whole day without food or water and we end with a prayer. And as they're saying this in my head, I'm going, this is ridiculous. Like, yeah. what's the point of that? Why would you go the whole day without eating? Sure. And so I ask him, what's the point? And one of the girls just gets in my face and says, if you want help from God. Huh. And for the first time in my life that I could ever remember, I, I thought, is there a God and would God help me? And, you know, you know, for some of your listeners, you may not believe in a God. You might have a higher power or whatever, whatever you choose to believe. But at the time, I didn't believe in anything. Right. But I did not believe in a God. So I, I didn't say there was one. I didn't say there yeah. isn't one. Sure. I just was kind of like neutral. Unsure. And, yeah. And when, they, and when she said that, I thought, is there a God and would he help me? And I just told him, thanks for sharing that with me. And as I walked away, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try this tomorrow. Hmm. So instead of going home... And ending my life, right? I stayed down in that house, that nasty house, really, with five other guys. And Saturday morning comes, I wake up, and these girls—I just remember them saying, "Start." They started with a prayer, so and I knew what prayer was, yeah. you know. And I, and so I didn't want my friends to see what I was doing, my roommates, mm-hmm. right? So I went into this teeny little coat closet, and there's actually coats, yeah. so it literally pushes me to my knees. I have to. Right. Like I have to get on my knees. So I'm on my knees <laughs> in this tiny little closet. The door is like literally in my face. Sure. And I just said, God, if you're there, yeah. I need help. And that's all I said. Yeah. I got up from the prayer. And the plan was to try to, you know, they had said they go the whole day without eating or drinking. I didn't know what that meant for sure, but I, I made it to like noon. Yeah. And I'm not kidding you, it was the first time that I hadn't smoked or popped a pill. Yeah. Or snorted a line or had a drink. Yeah. You know, I usually did something like that just to kind of get things rolling. And I was really, uh, you know, kind of in a bad mood. Even my roommates were like, what's your problem, man? I'm like, nothing. I didn't yeah. tell them what I was doing. I said, nothing. Just leave me alone. Huh. I made it till like noon, maybe one o'clock. I can't remember the exact time, but it wasn't very long. Yeah. 
And I went back into that closet because the girl said, end with a prayer. So I get in there, get on my knees again. I just said, God, if you're, if you're there, I did this fast and I need help. I don't know what to do. And I just sat there after that. And I really, honestly, being so naive of this whole process, I just said, well, if God exists, he'll show up. Something, something will happen. I'll see a sign, something, sure. right? Nothing happened. I waited there. It felt like forever. It was probably just a couple minutes. <laughs> I'm very impatient. <laughs> like, well, nothing happened. And I stood up from that, and I'm not kidding you. I was actually really upset. I'm like, well, that... Because, again, these girls didn't tell me, you know, hey, sometimes a prayer takes time. Yeah. You know? I Sure. Just being naive, I thought, well, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up getting wasted that night. And that continued on for the next month or so. I was still having thoughts of ending my life, but um, but I didn't. This kind of I kind of c- kept going back and forth with this voice. You know, you're no good, and then I would try to fight it, and then you're no good. And again, I would hear friends who are getting married again, and just you know they're they're moving on with their lives, and I'm just like, man, I am the biggest loser. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> and just struggling, and then I get this random phone call about a month after this fast from a friend that I had played basketball with at Brighton. His name's Rich Saunders. I hadn't talked to him since high school because um, we didn't hang out with the same crowds. He was a kid who didn't party, and I was a yeah. kid who did. <laughs> we, But he was a great guy, and just we we really connected very well on the basketball court. Just He was an amazing athlete and an amazing person. And I get a random phone call out of the blue with this guy, and... I don't even know to this day how he got a hold of me at this house down in Orem. Mm. And this is before cell phones and all that stuff. Sure. <laughs> the phone on the wall actually yeah. rang where you're like, rang. who's calling? Yeah. yeah. You got excited or you actually you dreaded, oh, don't answer yeah. that. Who we don't know it? who it is. <laughs> anyway, so he tracks me down and he says, where are you at, Todd? I says, I'm down mm. here in Orem. He's like, so am I. He goes, I'd love to chat with you. I'm like, sure. And he goes, would you mind coming over to my place? And I'm like, yeah. So anyway... I head over to his place, and as I'm heading over there, I'm thinking, this is weird. Why did he call me? Because mm-hmm. we hadn't talked. But again, I knew he was a good guy, so it wasn't like dreading it. I was like, okay, it would be good to catch up with him. So I get there. We sit down on his couch. We start just like you and I are looking at each other, and we just start kind of catching up weather talk stuff. And mm-hmm. he starts all of a sudden saying all these nice things about me. Todd, you're going to help so many people in your life. You You are going to make a difference. You are going to help kids sorry you're all good buddy let it flow healthy chokes me up Um, tears are healthy buddy i mean as he's saying these things i'm thinking what is he talking about and and i'm not kidding you he went on and on i'm like i'm like this guy doesn't have a clue wrong guy you're talking the wrong guy yeah like and my life's a mess And he just said all these amazing things. And like, and he kept saying, you're going to help so many people. And I'm like, what is he talking about? And I finally just stopped him. I said, hey, Rich, I have no idea why you're saying this, but knock it off. Because you're actually making me really uncomfortable. And then I went on to tell him, not in detail, but just my life's a mess right now. And I don't know what to do. So just, I don't know why you're saying all these nice things. And he goes, you know, Todd, he goes, I didn't go to work today because I had to stay back to share a message with you. And I'm like, what, what's going on? He's like, and I was, I'm like, is everything okay? He's like, no, everything's yeah. fine. And I could tell he's nervous to say something. And he finally just takes this deep breath and he says, hey, you know, the Lord came to me last night and says, we need you on our side today. Wow. And when he said that, it was just like this wave of, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. 
you know, you can call it energy, light, love. It was like this love just, and it actually scared me. Like yeah. it felt so amazing. I hadn't felt, I was like, whoa, whoa, what is this feeling? And, mm. and you know how your mind can rewind back to moments? It went back to when I was in that closet saying, God, if you're there, yeah. send help. So I tell Rich this. Yeah. And he points right in my face and says, this is your help. Wow. And I was just like, did this just happen? Yeah. Divine intervention. Yeah. And, you know, my jaw's on the floor. So is his, though. We haven't talked. You got to understand. We haven't yeah. talked for years. And we're Incredible. both just sitting there in this awe. Yeah. And so that was when things started to shift. Yeah. But that wasn't the ultimate shift, which I want to get into here in a minute. But okay. that's when things started to kind of percolate in the right direction in my life. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know how much detail you want me to get into, but... It's okay. Keep going. Um, he told you something. You believed it, right? Well, I couldn't deny what happened. I'm like, how did this place. even happen? And again, I'm still... You know, does God exist? Does God not exist? I'm not. I'm not affiliated with religion. I just. Yeah. I'm like, well, is there a higher power or not? And sure. And that it was like one of those moments where I went, "Wow." Hmm. In my head, that's just where my head went. I went, "Well, God exists." Because yeah. how did this? Ha- There's no way yeah. this could have happened any other way. Well, he ended up spending an hour on the phone with me sitting there on the couch tracking down who my bishop would be in my home ward, which I didn't even know I had a bishop. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he, I said, why do I need to go see this guy? And he goes, you need to tell him everything you've been doing. I'm like, there's no way I can do that. Yeah. And he's like, no, you need to tell him everything. Rich is one of those guys that'll make you commit. No. And he goes, I got you an appointment for tomorrow and you better show up. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I'm not going to go talk to this guy. I can't tell him the stuff I've been doing because yeah. it wasn't just the the, the drug abuse mm. and the alcohol abuse. I mean, it's the lying, the cheating, the sure. stealing, the manipulating, yeah. you know, stuff that I was doing that I wasn't proud of and stuff that's even hard to talk about today. And I'm thinking, sure. you know, how could I? There's no way I'm going to tell a complete stranger. Yeah. And, he, and Rich is like, just show up. My world. And I'm like, okay, I'll show up. So the next day, I pull into this church parking lot, and I see this car. I'm thinking, there's that guy that he lined me up with. And I'm like, there's no way I can talk to this guy. And I thought, okay, I committed. I will go in there for five minutes, hear what this guy has to tell me, and then I'm out of there. That was my mindset. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I go in there, I sit down, and he introduces himself, and I sit down with him, and he just goes, tell me what's going on, and doesn't say another word. And I'm like... Oh, brother. I'm like, well, I'm here because, and I explain what Rich had done, and then yeah. I explain my experience with the fast yeah. and prayer. And, and I just, yeah. I'm just being real surfacey with this guy, just trying to, hopefully he's like, okay, well, thanks for coming to tell me. You, you can go, you know. Yeah. And, well, I ended up spending three hours in this guy's office, and I unload on this guy. Yeah. I tell him everything, the lying, the cheating, the stealing, the manipulating, the, the, the drug abuse and all that stuff. And, and I'm thinking, man, what is this guy thinking? Yeah. Like, what is he thinking? Um, and then he gives me four things to do at the end of this. He just goes, okay, got four things I want you to do. He goes, why don't you say one prayer a day like you did when you are in that closet? Can you do that? I'm like, yeah, I think I can do that. And then he hands me a, uh, a set of scriptures. He goes, have you ever read these before? I said, nope. He goes, I want you to read one verse a day. Can you do that? I didn't even know what a verse was. He literally has to go, this is a verse. He points it out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I think I could probably read one a day. 
And then he goes, I want to meet with you every week for a year. And I said, I can't do that. (laughs) He laughs and he goes, that's the plan. We'll take it a week at a time, but I'm going to meet with you every week for a year. I'm like, all right, we'll see. And in my head, I'm going, I'm not doing that. And then he said something that I'll never forget because it's so simple, but yet so powerful. And I teach to my clients this very day. He says, I need you to be honest with me. And I go, well, I just told you everything and I didn't leave anything out. And I says, what do you mean exactly? He goes, when we meet every week, I need to know if you lied, if you cheated, if you stole, if you drank, if you did drugs, just be real. And I said, yeah, I can do that. Mm. I just told you everything. I got nothing to hide at this point. Sure. So I started meeting with this guy every week. And what he taught me about honesty, and I, t- I teach this to my clients this very day, that if you're honest with yourself, you'll never relapse. Mm. And that's a pretty bold thing to say if you sure. think about it. And, and, but, but if you look at what's behind it, the principle that, so you take a good person, right, who's, I think we're all good to our core. I really do that. I don't care who you are, what religion you're involved with. We're good to our core. We were born good. Sure. But over here is the darkness. It's the misery. It's the drugs. It's the lying and the cheating and the sadness and the depression and all that stuff, right? How does a good person bridge the gap to come over here to this world that we know is miserable. How do we do that? It's always a lie. It's always a thinking error. It's a justification. It's a minimization. It's a rationalization. It's victim stance, all these thinking errors. And every one of them is a lie. So if I can look myself in the mirror and say, I've been honest with myself today, I'll never relapse. And so I started, that's what this, that's what this bishop taught me is honesty. Mm-hmm. So I started meeting with him every week. I did. I started actually just sitting down with him and it every week, yep, I got drunk every day this week or I smoked every yeah. day. Yep, I lied here. I stole this. Yeah. I, I lied to my family, whatever, right? All this stuff. And I'm just, and this guy's the most patient guy on the planet. And I want to point out, this guy ended up becoming my rehab this was before there was rehabs on every street corner sure. that there is today. He honestly, like I got to the point where I looked forward to go sit with this guy and to be able to unload, yeah. just unload and be real. And, and I'm not kidding you, there was no judgment from this guy, you know. And I know that's not always the case, but this guy was so genuine and just open arms. Yeah, and beautiful. it takes me eight and a half months before I can look him in the eye and said, I made it three days clean. Wow. And I'll tell you, I'm going to be honest, through that eight months, that voice was still in my head. You're pathetic. You're no good. You'll never make it. You're you're not going to be able to do this. It's too hard, right? And I'm still struggling because I'm seeing friends. You know, everybody looks great from the outside, right? And my friends seem like they are all got their lives put together, and I'm a mess still, Hmm. right? Well, I'm still a bartender, which is not a good idea for someone who's trying to quit drinking, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least for me. Um, and as a bartender, I'd get tips from the waiters and waitresses and then anyone that would sit at the bar. And I got really good at manipulating for a good tip. Like if you sat there, Brandon, I'd, I'd give you the, hey, this one's on me. Yeah. And you'd be like, damn, that's a good guy, yeah. right? And then you usually would typically give me a really good tip. So I would sure. manipulate you. So I didn't really care about you, but I cared about the big tip. Of course. So anyway, I'd get a lot of change from the waiters and waitresses. And then, again, anyone sitting at the bar. And I'd keep all this change in the cup holders of my car. Mm -hmm. And I had about 
$40 at this particular time of quarters, nickels, and dimes, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about this eight-month mark when I had made it three days clean, but I'm still struggling, thinking, is this even worth it? And I'm driving up uh, this road. It's called Newcastle. It's up in Willow Creek. It's this big, windy road. And I'm just, it was a Saturday. I knew that. It was a sunny day like today. And I drive past this little girl selling lemonade. No big deal. Just, you know, I drive right on past. And then I have this impression come over me that says, turn around and give her all the money in your car. And, you know, there's a, this is one of those transformational moments in time. And this was the shift. You know, the Greeks actually call it a kairos moment. Um, the Greeks used to track time two different ways back in early biblical times, uh, chronos and kairos. Chronos is chronological time, right? Minutes, hours, days, months, years. Kairos was a transformational moment. When a miracle was performed, that was a kairos moment. Mm. They actually call it a tap on the shoulder. Like, yeah. hey, this is going to change your life, man. Right. And that's what that was. And I thought, I just thought how cool this will be because I got $40 worth of change to, yeah. and this is going to blow this girl's mind, right? Sure. But little did I know that this was going to be a Kairos moment. Yeah. So I flip my car around, I pull up, roll down my window, there's this cute little girl, fourth grade girl, just sitting there smiling. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, how much? You know, And she said, 25 cents. I said, I'll take one. Yeah. So she pours this little cup of lemonade, hands it to me. I set it on my dashboard and I tell her to cup her hands, you know, in front of her like this, right? And I just start scooping all this change in her hands. And she's freaking out. She's like, no way. I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, hold on. I got so much more. And I just keep going. And she's literally tearing up, freaking yeah. out, screaming, going, no way. And I go, I got more. It takes me like nine scoops to get all this out. And I'm picking every little quarter, nickel, and dime from the cracks anywhere I could find. And then she takes the last scoop. I'm finally done scooping it. And she dumps it on the table and runs into her house. Yeah. And I'm thinking she's going to go in there and tell her parents some dude just gave yeah. her a million dollars. Yeah. Right? <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. And as I pull away, I start to cry like I've never cried before in my life. <clears throat> Have you ever cried so hard, Brandon, you feel like you're cleansing your soul? I don't know if I have. Maybe, it's a, yeah. I, I call this like a soul cleansing cry. I'm I'm not kidding you. I I have to pull my car over and I put my face in my hands and I just sob yeah. and I cry for like 20 minutes and I just let out all this pain and anguish over the years and just because in that moment that I gave her that money and to see her face, mm -hmm. I felt like I mattered. I felt like I was a good person. I wanted to be clean in that moment right? This lit my soul on fire. Huh. One of my favorite quotes is by a guy named Ferdinand Foch. I have it on my wall in my office that my clients get to see. It says, the most powerful weapon on earth is the human soul on fire. Huh. This lit it on fire. And that all or nothing mentality huh. yeah. kicked in again. I thought if she's there next week, I'm going to give her all my money. Yeah. So sure enough, on purpose, next Saturday, I drive on purpose to see if she's out there. And sure enough, there she is. And I pull up and she recognizes yeah. me and she gets this like, no way, like jackpot. Here's this guy again, right? And I give her $30 and quarters. I give her yeah. the next week, I give her $15 and ones. The next week I give her, you know, $10 and quarters. I do this for the next two and a half months every Saturday. Wow. And every time I pull away, Brandon, I just start to cry. Yeah. I'm just like, this is, 
this is more powerful than any drug I have ever felt before in my life. And that's when things really started to transform. But it wasn't the final stamp. It was amazing. And I'm telling you, I was a, you know, quote unquote, addicted to it. Sure. I couldn't wait to do this next time. I would save up my money like, I can't wait to give this to this girl who I didn't even know. Well, I decide after this two and a half months of giving her this, all this money, I decide to go check out church. I just thought, I'm going to go to church. I don't know what it's about, but I'm going to go see what it's about. And I just felt like I wanted to try to have a better connection with God or my higher power, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go to church, and I'm sitting in the very back corner, and I'm just like, I'm thinking I'm going to stay there for 10 minutes, see what it's like, and then I'm out of there, right? I'm uncomfortable, and I'm looking around to see who's there, you know, and I don't know anybody. But I look on the other side of the church, and there's that little girl with her mom, and she sees me, and she starts mm. way freaking out. She's like, Mom, there's <laughs> the guy over there, you know, and they're... And I'm like, oh, wow. So I decide because of that to stay. And after church is over, they come walking over and the mom's crying and she comes up and gives me this hug and she's up here in my ear and she whispers, thank you for what you've done for my daughter. Hmm. And, I, and I tell her right back, you have no, no, you have no idea what this has done for, this has been for yeah. me. Right. And she goes, no, you, my daughter was saving for a trampoline. You put her over the top and now she just thinks you're like the greatest guy in the world. Yeah. And I said, again, no, you have no idea hmm. what this has done for me. Wow. And we're kind of both kind of tearing up. And there's this cute little girl, her name's Lindy, and she's just staring at me, right? Right. And then the mom says, we have a favor to ask you. I'm like, what's that? She goes, well, on Wednesday, there's this daddy-daughter date, and she would like you to go as her date. Wow. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, and I, I even said, what about her dad? Well, her dad... And I, um, she says, our dad and I divorced when she was younger, and he's not around, and mm. she would really love to go. Would you be willing to take her? And little does she know she's asking a drug addict yeah. to take her fourth grade sure. girl to this daddy-daughter date, right? So I say yes, because how can I say no with Lindy staring right at me, just smiling, like thinking I'm this great guy? And as I walk away, I'm like, why did I say yes? You know, like I should have wow. said no. So anyway, Wednesday comes... And this was where everything starts to just come to a head and when things shifted forever for me. I, uh, I, go, I go pick her up on Wednesday. I'm scared to death. It's like this first date kind of thing. My heart's pounding. I don't even know, I don't even know this girl. I don't, I'm like, I can't believe I said yes to this. So I'm driving up to up Big Cottonwood Canyon to this picnic site, and I'm just sitting here with this girl. We're not saying a word. I'm just trying to ask her some questions like, you know, how was recess today, things like that. I don't know what to say. Yeah. So we pull up into this picnic site, and there's all these dads with their daughters, and I know nobody. I don't even know her. And I'm going, why am I here? So we're sitting there. I feel like a fish out of the water. I'm just like, oh, man, why did I say yes? And then they start playing these games, right? And one of the games was, how well do you know your daughter? How well do you know your dad? Like, favorite color, favorite sure. food. I'm like, oh, no. And I look at Lindy. I said, I'm sorry. We, you know. And she says, let's guess. I kid you not. And had I not been there, I wouldn't have believed it myself. We almost get every answer correct. We're like high-fiving each other. Everyone knows she's not my daughter. She's not my daughter. She's not my daughter. And I'm like, and they're like, are you guys cheating? I'm like, no, man, I I don't know what's going on here. And I'm like, this is so surreal. Is this really happening? And then it hits me. I'm used to waking up hungover with throw up all over me in some of the worst places, had done some of the worst things. 
And here I am with this pure, innocent little girl, and we're going to have hot dogs and Kool-Aid. Yeah. I just thought, you got to be kidding me. That's heaven. It's heaven. And so they gather everyone in to say a blessing on the food, which I thought was weird. I thought, you know, is there something wrong with the hot dogs? Do we have to bless it? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe. And so... <laughs> Um, they, this guy just says a simple little prayer. And I'm just sitting there like literally, again, fish out of water. What do I do? Do I close my eyes? Do I fold my arms? I guess yeah. everyone's doing that. Well, during that prayer, I hear a voice in my head that says, Todd, you're in the right place doing the right thing. And you made an impact on this girl's life that she'll never forget. Yeah. And I love you. I'm cool. not kidding you, those exact words. And I, I felt it. this rush of just energy and love. Mm. And it was God's love. I mean, it mm. truly was. I can't deny it. It was like this... And I literally start bawling in this prayer, and the prayer's over, and everyone starts looking at me like, are you, dude, it was just hot dogs, you know? Sure. And I'm like, no, these are happy tears. I am so sorry. And Lindy's like, are you okay? I'm like, no. I. And that's when I decided, Brandon, that I will never drink again. I'll never do drugs ever again. And I'm going to help kids like her for the rest of my life. Yeah. And that's what I did from that day forward. Um, I did a drug-free program in elementary schools called Sly Dog, Drug-Free, That's Me. Mm-hmm. Did that for five straight years from that point forward. Wow. Spoke to over 250,000 kids. And then I'd have parents of those kids um, come up to me, my kid loves your program. Would you be willing to work with them one-on-one? Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, sure. sure. Not a clue what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I start meeting with these kids one-on-one have no idea what I'm doing, but I realize I have a knack for this. Yeah. I, I have a way of building a relationship, and and I've now done over 16,000 one-on-one sessions since that time. Wow. And I've I've done over 1,500 speaking events. Um, I've been uh, on August 5th of this year, coming up here in just a few more days, I'll have been clean 30 years. And so... Incredible. Yeah. So and how old are you today? I'm 51. So since you were 21? Yep. So between so the ages of 21 and, and 22 is when, and I'll never forget it, on August 5th, it was it was my best friend's birthday, Mike Pratt. And I knew if I went there, I was going to party. I just knew it, but I thought, no, I'll go there. I'll just go yeah. say hi, tell him happy birthday. Take it easy. Ended up drinking like a ton of beer that night, got wasted. And I woke up the next day saying, I will never, yeah. ever do that. But then, but that was before this daddy-daughter event. Yeah. See, that was one of those moments where I screwed yeah. up. and But then I had the daddy-daughter, and that's when yeah. I said, it's over. And I knew it. Good for I you. I knew it. And so, and I haven't looked back. Your soul knows. Yep. Your soul it knows. I just knew it. It's amazing the uh, relationship you have with that little girl, you know? Yeah. And at the end of the day, like you told uh, her mother, you have no idea what this did for me. Yeah. Um, that was all for you. Really you know what I mean? Her. You're handing quarters out, and you think you're changing this little girl's life, and you did it all for you. Yeah. yeah Not that it didn't change her life. Right. Definitely impacted her life, but I believe everything we do, we do for ourselves. Yeah. Right? Couldn't, couldn't agree more. We're out serving, taking care of people, sitting with people, interviewing people, hugging, loving right. people. We do it for them, but number one, you know, we're doing it for ourselves because we're taking care of us. Right. Right. Yep. I agree. Yeah. So I have a hundred dollar bet with your dad that that we would finish (laughs) under an hour. Do you think it's going to happen today? I don't know. How long are we in? We're 51 minutes in and I only asked you one question. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think I'm okay. gonna. I think I'm gonna owe, owe your dad a hundred bucks. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> no, that was an amazing story. But is what I'm gonna do. I'll just cut this to two separate episodes. Todd's story and then Todd's uh, Todd's uh, questions here. So tell me yeah. a little bit about your upbringing, as far as did your parents. Uh, um, did they follow a particular religion, or was it just wide open in your house? It was wide open. Um, we didn't go to church. Uh, you know, my mom grew up in a religious family. Um, mm-hmm. My dad, not so much. Um, so growing up, you know, for us, we didn't we didn't go to church. It wasn't really a priority, you know, um, which when I look back on it, I'm kind of glad in the sense because, I mean, honestly, I, I, I my parents were so good at telling us that they loved us, me and my brother and sister like we knew that without a doubt you know and so I always felt safe with them I always felt safe around them but we when it came to the religious stuff it was an open open just gonna do your thing whatever you want kind of thing that's a um, the more I get deeper into this self-awareness and that it's it's almost beneficial to let your kids be and not like push them right down a particular road right yeah allow people to be, they're going to find their own truths, their own happinesses. And But if we're trying to mold them into this human being we think they ought to be, right? sometimes not, that's not the best road to push our children exactly. down. Exactly. Right? right. So yeah. their religion was love, it sounded like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, and like I told you earlier, like my all my friends and even my brother's friends and my sister's friends just loved my parents so much because they just felt amazing around them. Yeah. My dad has a way of making you feel like you're number one when you talk to him, yeah. and you probably can relate with I that. I love that man. I mean, yeah. seriously. So he's been that way ever since I've known him. Yeah. I mean, the guy, you know, it's funny. <laughs> it's a little side note. I hope, yeah. I hope that's okay, Dad, that I'm going to share this. But of course. Like, he he's he's in sales. He's been in sales his whole life. He's He could sell snow to an Eskimo. I kid you not. Like, he sure. really could. I'll never forget he wrote this proposal up in pencil to take to Harmons. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking, Dad, you can't take a pencil, you know, chicken scratch, you know, proposal in to get an order or whatever. And, you know, and my dad, that was just his way of doing things, you know. And, you know, I think my dad knew it's not about the paper, it's about the relationship. And, yeah. I mean, he walked out of there with over a $100,000 purchase order. Wow. And, you know, I was kind of eating my words. I'm like, well, I guess you don't need to have some fancy proposal. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but that's just because people just love love being around him. Yeah. You know, and my mom's the same way, just very caring and nice and loving. Yeah, yeah. You know? they're beautiful human beings. Yes. I teach a group, and they both uh, attend often, and uh, yeah. they're just a treat to have every time they show up. Sure. Yeah, love them to death. Um, so what mm-hmm. about... Uh, Religion, what, like, does religion separate uh, us as human beings? Say I'm a Buddhist and I'm not, mm-hmm. but and and you're Mormon, I assume, right? Mm-hmm. Live in Salt Lake City. You're talking about church. So, does religion separate us as human beings? Well, it it shouldn't. Um, not should it. I can't yeah. use those words. No, couldn't should. Yeah. But does religion separate? Yeah, um, I used to think it did. Yeah. I really did. And, you know, my family can attest, I was just kind of a diehard in the wool. Again, all in. I'm like, all or nothing, this is the way to go kind of thing. And and I've learned over the years that's maybe not the case. And I think, I think there's actually common ground among all of us, you know. I mean, 
there's a there's a thing that I, I talk about a lot where, you know, Buddha, he talked about 13 virtues that would bring you enlightenment. And he narrowed it down into one virtue, and he called it compassion. And then Confucius had, I think, another 13 virtues that he talked about how you could obtain perfect knowledge. And then he simplified it, and he broke it down to one virtue as well, which was sympathy, right? And then if you look at Jesus and you study his life, it bro- he broke the whole of life down into one principle, which was love. Mm-hmm. So if you look at that, compassion, sympathy, and love, right? That's the simplicity of any religion, in my opinion. They all mean the same thing. Yeah, they're all similar. So if we really look at it and we're honest with it, it's actually there is no separation, in my opinion. Yeah. So but then why, why are we at war? And why do religions... I remember as a child, I was, grew up LDS... Remember uh, having Catholic friends, and my mm-hmm. brother dated a Catholic gal, and they got married. But there was so much uh, contention there because we both practiced two different religions. Yeah, and that still exists today, right? Don't don't all religions think they have the right answer or the right way? Right. So who's right? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think there's truth in every one of them, actually, sure. and. I really look at it, if you're at war with someone because they believe something different than you, it's just your own insecurity, actually. 100%. You know what I mean? So, you know, I, I don't know if I have the answers to all of what you're asking here, but I can mm-hmm. tell you that if if I sum my life down into love, compassion, and sympathy, if I just live those three things, yeah. I mean, how simple are those? But yet yeah. you'll find it hard-pressed to find someone that truly embodies those three things. If you just embody those three things... It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're right. Buddhist, if you're atheist, if you're Catholic, whatever. I, I can agree. I can connect with you on that level because that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yes, and there's quirky things in every religion. For Let's sure. be real here. It's quirky. You know, every religion does some weird thing. And you're like, why do they do that? Yeah. But for me to say my way's the best way, and you know, and argue with you, we could sit right. here and argue, but I'm not yeah. that guy. Sure. You know, if I yeah. I always say this: quit quoting Buddha. And be Buddha. Be Buddha. I agree. Quit quoting Jesus and be Jesus. Yeah. And what is Jesus? Jesus is love. So I'm going to have love. Why would I argue with you? Okay. If you disagree with me on some level, I don't care. Yeah. It's none of your business. But here's the thing. I'll be honest with you, with your listeners too. I wasn't always that way. I was the guy that was insecure. I was like, oh, here I am. I'm going to hold on to this so hard. You're wrong. I'm right. I'm right. And, but it was really about insecurity. And I'm so grateful I'm not in that mindset anymore because yeah. it was it was actually hurting me more than anybody else. One hundred percent. So, yeah. so that's how I look at it, and, yeah. and it's unfortunate. Yeah, there's people that are bickering and fighting, and and then won't talk to each other and whatever, and it ends up, you know, in a really negative space. But, but ultimately, I do think we're all connected in that way. You know, how can you argue? I, I'll never forget, I read an amazing book. It's called The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. And he says in that book, God doesn't have love. God is love. Right. And I always tell my clients who are struggling connecting with a higher power, mm-hmm. whether it's Buddha or God or Jesus or whatever you want to say it is, the universe, energy, is that if, let's take the word out, let's just call it love. And who were we when we were this tall? And I'm 
for your listeners, it's like a one-year-old, yeah, right? One, two, three, four, five years old. Like when my granddaughter walks in the room, yeah. it's love. Pure love. It's such love. But it's a reminder that that's who I am. Yeah. So if, I, if, if God is love, and if I'm love, yeah. how do I connect with love? I give it away. Yeah. Just like when I gave that money away at the lemonade stand, I was giving away love ultimately. Right. Right. And guess what? I connected with it. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm connecting with it now with you. I mean, it's it's amazing, but how simplistic it really is. But yet, I used to overcomplicate this so much, but I'm so grateful that I've learned over the years. Mm. And I'm not faulting for someone who's not afraid that they're died in the wool with their religion. Great. Sure. But if we don't love, then we're not being who we supposedly are saying we worship. Right. So... I can't, I can't be mad at you and say that. Well, I'm being like Jesus. Uh, yeah, doesn't <laughs> you know, work. Doesn't work. Yeah. So anyway, so, I I don't know if that answers yeah, your no, question, no, but I, I agree. That's it's just how a I question, answer it. you know, because if we all practice love and compatibility and understanding awareness, then we are love. But there's no problems. Uh, <clears throat> have you heard? I know you talked with Kelly Davis in yes. a couple episodes ago, but she brought up Byron Katie. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of Byron Katie. Yeah. That's what we practice, uh, right. you know, when we do in our groups and we do worksheets and stuff. But, but she, you know, her big thing is who would you be without your story? Right. So if you don't have a story about you and you don't have a story about some human being that you're struggling with, who would you be without your story? Yeah. Think how powerful that question oh, yeah. is. It's huge. You know, you just told me a 50-minute story about your life and, and your troubles mm-hmm. with addiction and your struggle to find yourself and this amazing experience you had with this little girl and these two gentlemen with the bishop and, and your buddy, Rich, that called and said, hey, I had a feeling I need to talk to you. But break all that down and look at that big old yeah, story. For sure. Who would you be without that story? Nothing. I'd be nothing. Yeah. That's why I'll say so this all cool. the time, Brandon. If I could go back and talk to the addiction and actually say something to it, yeah. you know what I would say? What? Thank you. Yeah. You want to know why? Yeah. Because I'm sitting here talking to you right now. 100%. Because had I not gone through that, I would yeah. not be here. I really believe life happens for you. Yeah. And I was I, I had a, a great experience. I, I, last December, I got to speak at the St- Utah State Prison. Cool. And one of the inmates got to speak before me. It was really cool to hear. He got five minutes. Yeah. And I'll never forget what he said. He goes, if you don't own your story, it owns you. Yeah. Just own it. Yeah. Like, embrace it. Yeah. Right? Because sure. you're right. Like, I, I agree 100%. Who would I be? I'd yeah. be absolutely nothing. Yeah, nothing. So I'm grateful for all of it. Yeah. Maybe you even know? more than love. That's the thing yeah. that, that Byron Katie is what she does when you ask those questions. Yeah. Because we all have an identity, right? You create an identity with this addiction, you know? Right. Now you have a new identity that, that, you know, you're Todd, you got a podcast, just like me, I'm Brandon, I got a podcast. I sold my business, Todd's doing this, Todd's doing that, but who would you be without the new story? You know, and if right. you break everything down and break it all down and you're talking to your neighbor, friend, enemy, whatever be, like, who would that human being be right. without putting all the post-its that we got on them when they walk through the door? Well, that human being harmed me five years ago. He stole from me. He was dishonest. Right. You know, he, you know, who would you be or who would they be without the story? One of the most powerful questions for me on the planet. Yeah. You know, and then to be able to break it down and, and, and go through it, it's, right. you know. 
Well, and what really what it did for me, and I'll add to what you're saying is, yeah, I do a podcast, and yes, I'm a life coach, and I'm a counselor at Wasatch, and I do all these things, but those are just things I do. And yes, it has led because of the story, which again, like we both agree on. But what it's really done is it's reminded me of who I really am. See, um, when we were, again, this tall, you know, one years old, you know, we knew who we were. Sure. We loved everything. We loved ourselves. We had faith as big as the universe. And we knew it. Now, we couldn't articulate it. But if you think about the characteristics of a child, right? Loving, kind, sympathetic, brave, teachable, light, love, energy, honest, Honest, open, open. That's who we are. And from the time we're one years old until we're sitting here through that process, we forget who we are. We don't lose it. We just forget it. Absolutely. And so what I try to do uh, with my clients is help them remember again who they really are. Yeah. And it's because of the story, right? Sure. It's a reminder. I say this all the time. It's it's uh, it's in. Uh, I've got a book coming out here soon. Cool. But in there, at the very beginning, it says, um, and I say this all the time: your addiction or your trial, whatever you want to say, is your wake up call to your greatness. Yeah. Your 100%. story was the wake up call to your greatness. It's necessary. It's necessary for so, your spiritual or personal yeah. growth, right? To survive yeah. on this planet. Yeah. So. so. I love it. Yeah. So what is the, uh, what do you believe is the cause of, uh, of all addiction? You're in the addiction space, right? Right. What is the cause of addiction? What would you? It all stems from an irrational belief system. Yeah. See, uh, and again, there's a principle and I always like talking principle because principles are true and constant, right? Just like gravity. Mm-hmm. Gravity's working 24 seven. These principles are working 24-7 as well. Whether we want to acknowledge them, forget them, pretend they're not there, they're working all the time. And the principle behind this is belief dictates behavior. So when I'm, when I'm sitting with a heroin addict, right, it's not about the heroin. I, I mean, I could say quit doing heroin. Well, duh. Right. Yeah, I, right. But I always, one of the most powerful questions that my clients need to be able to answer and the most freeing question is, why do you slam heroin? Why? Yeah. Where's that even coming from? Yeah. Outside of you just tried it once and it felt good, and I, but why do you keep blowing up your lives with it? And it always goes back to an irrational belief system. And here's the top three. You ready for these? Yeah. Number one, I'm not good enough. And everyone on this planet can relate to this on some level. That is the number one irrational belief that we buy into is just, I'm not good enough. Right. The second one is I'm different, so I can't connect. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then the third one is, um, my problems are so big that it will be impossible to fix them. Mm -hmm. And I always like to add a fourth one. Um, the fourth one is there's something wrong with me. Hmm. And so those four irrational beliefs are typically, now I know there's others, and they, but they all feed into that number one. I'm just not good enough. Yeah. And if you really believe that, your behavior mirrors it. Hmm. It mirrors it every time. So, yeah, everyone gets to addiction maybe in a different road, but if without fail, I can always pinpoint it back to the irrational belief. And the beauty of that is when you get to that point, yeah. now we know what to change. Sure. Let's change that irrational belief. 
the behavior will change automatically. I don't have to tell the heroin addict, quit slamming heroin. It happens automatically if they put in the work to change that belief. Right. So that's how it all starts. Yeah. Believing, uh, Byron Katie would say, uh, believing a negative thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Irrational, negative, same thing. Irrational thought. Absolutely. That's yeah. the, you know, the, the starting point of all your irrational, negative feelings and mm-hmm. the self beat up and whatever it be. She says that the, uh, she believes the biggest cause of all addiction is guilt. Um, yeah, there's probably some truth to that, but I, I might disagree a little bit because um, I think guilt's good. See, uh, you know, for your listeners, you know, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Shame is I'm bad. Guilt is I did something bad. Mm-hmm. And guilt can be good in the sense that it, it reminds me, don't do that again. Like if I did something mean to you today, mm-hmm. if I'm probably going to feel guilty about that. I hope I do. Right. <laughs> if I don't, maybe something's wrong. But that is a reminder. Don't do that again. Right. Shame, on the other hand, is if I say, "Man, I'm such a, I'm a, I'm just a bad person. I treat Brandon like crap. Mm-hmm. I'm a bad person." See, shame is victim stance, and shame keeps you in that behavior. So that's how I would say it. Victim Not hurt. saying she's wrong or sure, no. But I'm that's just saying, why I love the conversation. Um, but guilt, I think, can be good because it reminds us, don't do it again. Because yeah. if we didn't, if I didn't feel bad doing something wrong, why would I ever stop? Yeah. So, but if I hold on to guilt, to me, guilt turns into shame when it's, I'm now, I'm a bad person. So my next question would be, have you ever done anything bad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> does, does bad exist? Well, have I done something bad in the moment? Yes. If I learn from it and grow from it, then it's not bad. So if you say, if if what you're asking, if you look at it that way, then I guess some, there's really nothing bad. I'd agree with that. Yeah. You know? Because so. I believe everything that happens, happens for a reason. No accidents. Everything's done for you, good, mm-hmm. bad. It's all our perception on what's bad. Right. But your whole life, you just told us your life journey about all these terrible things you did. Was any of that bad? No. Not at all. So does bad exist? Um, in the moment, yeah. If I if I hit you in the face right now, that's a bad thing. Now, if we if we learn and grow from it, and yeah, but, but yes, bad does exist in my mind because it's easy to say it doesn't. Like you're saying, if we define it the way you're defining it, I agree yeah. with you a hundred percent. But if I do something mean to someone in that moment, they're yeah. they're victimized. If right. a woman's being raped, that's a bad thing. Right. In the moment. Yeah. If she can learn and grow from it and rise above it, which she will, right. hopefully, then she can look back. I mean, yeah. J.C. Dugard's a perfect example. Absolutely. She's my hero, actually. And yeah. I share this with every one of my clients. And for you listeners that don't know, she was uh, kidnapped when she was 11 years old and held inside a shed for 18 years and raped repeatedly. And I'll never forget an interview she did with Diane Sawyer. And she was asked, do you hate the guy that did this to you? And I'm kind of looking at my screen, you know, TV going, I do, you know. You know, she says, no. She goes, why would I give that guy power over me now? It's over. Sure. And then she says, the most powerful thing I've ever heard, I choose not to wallow in self-pity. Yeah. And then she was asked, would you change anything? And she says, no. Because now she helps millions of people all over the world. So you can say it, I like to say it this way, life happens for you. 
you know, and we could Absolutely. we could split hairs. Is there bad things? You know, we could sit here all day and split hairs on it. But I I yeah. do personally, if you're asking me, in the moment, I can be I can do something bad. Yeah. But if but ultimately, if I learn and move forward, then, sure. then it wasn't well, bad yeah. ultimately. Yeah, and obviously, you don't want to go out and punch somebody in the face because that never serves you. But you know, things happen, events happen, and right. So if you look back on your life, look how many lives you've changed because of all the bad events that took place. But I wouldn't necessarily call them bad. I just call it learning experiences. For sure. Part of your journey. Yeah. So in this podcast, I like to talk a little bit about anxiety and depression. Um, My anxiety was overwhelming. I shared it in a podcast a couple times ago where, like you, I couldn't get out of bed. I was dry even every morning. Um, When your clients come to you and they struggle with anxiety and depression, do you have like a go-to? Yeah. What, what, what do you do? Well, let me just preface this a little bit, Brandon, that I have realized that we as human beings overcomplicate most everything, it seems like. And even with anxiety and depression, we overcomplicate it. We, um, we muddy the waters a little bit. And so what I try and do with my clients is simplify this whole process on how to overcome it or how to deal with it or how to, in the moments, you know, be able to, to handle it. And... So we, I first want to define what anxiety really is. And I always ask my client, what's anxiety? Mm-hmm. You know, And how, how would you describe it? I would describe anxiety as uh, being one second into the future or more. Okay. That's a great way to say Beyond it. Beyond now, although right. now doesn't exist because every time as soon as I say now, it's gone too. Right. But my anxiety is worrying about the future. Okay. 100%. So, and I agree. I agree with that. Um I like the definition that helps it a little better. It's, I think anxiety is a misuse of your imagination. And because, and here's why, our brains and our central nervous systems do not know the difference between a real event or if we imagine it. Like you even said, even if you're one second into the future. Um, so for instance, if you've ever been in a scary movie and you're watching this scary movie and something jumps off the screen and you protect yourself like you're going to get hit, right? Sure. Um, your brain for that moment, for that instant, believed it was real. Mm-hmm. You know you're in a movie theater. You, nothing's going to get you. But for that moment, your blame, brain believed that it was real. And so understanding that, that the power of our imagination... And again, if I'm imagining, and I agree with you, it's I call it future tripping. If I'm tripping about the future on some level, even if it's I got to hurry and get out of here, you yeah. know, kind of thing, sure. I'm causing myself to suffer on some level. Absolutely. But I'm the cause of it. Sure. It's and and the other principle behind it is we think and then we feel. So it's about how am I thinking about the future? And I've got a few things I go to, if, if I can describe those, sure, if, if we have time. It. Yeah, tell me what time you got to be out of here, too. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's 12.50. Oh, it's 12.50? Yes. Um, I've got to be out here probably in about 15 minutes. Okay. I didn't know how long you wanted to go. Cool. No, you're good. <laughs> um, so I've got a, you know, an amazing example of a client who I was doing a group session and this client comes in 10 minutes late. I'm like, and you'll really appreciate this because of your philosophy and beliefs, which is awesome, is he comes in. I'm like, where have you been? We have to stop everything. He's like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. He goes, I was out watching an ant pile. And I thought, oh, this oh. would be good. So he sits down. I go, okay, we're going to stop what we're doing. Tell us about your experience with the ant pile. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, tell us about it. And he's like, 
I don't know. He goes, I was watching this ant pile and I lost track of time. I was out there for like 45 minutes and that's why I'm late. And I go, give us the details. Like, what were you noticing? And he goes, I could see these ants picking up a grain of sand. I could see their little legs moving. I could see their antennas. He goes, and they're going in and out of the holes. And he goes, I even stepped back and watched him work as this well-oiled machine. And I said, were you suffering? He goes, absolutely not. And I go, when was the last time you experienced that? Yeah. And to give a background, this guy, um, when he had this experience with the ant pile, he was nine days sober after 30 years of drinking. He had lost his wife, the respect of his kids, his life savings, his job, license, gone. But for 40 minutes, while he watched this ant pile, Mm -hmm. like I know you agree with this, is that his suffering completely stopped. Why? Because he wasn't thinking ahead and he wasn't yeah. thinking behind. He was one with yeah. the ant pile. With the ant pile. Loving what is. is. Yeah, just right there in the moment. And for that, and that's what the beauty of it is suffering stops in that moment. Absolutely. He was enlightened. That's what Buddha would call it. He was enlightened mm-hmm. for 40 minutes. Yeah. And then I told him, that's why you're here is to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> how to stay present how to stay moment. present so yeah. so those are kind of some of my go-tos and I have a, a technique that I teach that um, and, and you'll appreciate this too all we have is now and my natural state is joy mm-hmm. joy is another word for enlightenment which is sure. Buddha says is the end of suffering yeah. and so it's a simple little tool that we use and I don't have time to really kind of get into it but it's yeah. as simple as when I'm feeling anxious Take a deep breath and go, okay, all I have is this moment, this now, and my natural state is joy, just like I was when I was this little kid. That's who I'm naturally, that's naturally who I am. So if I'm anything but that right now, I'm I'm going against who I naturally am. And it's typically, it always goes back to the way I'm thinking. I agree 100%. Anyway, so that's kind of some of my go-tos, and we, you know... And there's a lot more to it than that, but uh, I again try to simplify the process. Yeah, that's what I try to share with people: is uh, if you're out of your natural state of being, with which is peace, you know, joy, yeah. love, then you're out of balance. You're off somewhere. You're believing a thought that's not true. Right. And that's where Byron Katie'd say, "Grab that thought, nail it down, write it down, and then mm-hmm. let's question it." Yep. Because then you'll find out what you thought happened, didn't, or what you're thinking might happen. Right. Never takes place. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what's so neat about her process is it gets you back into the moment. Yeah. You go experience a, an event that took place. Yeah. Mine does the same thing. It's just a different approach. But yeah, I totally agree with what how she does it. I do, love it. Do we... Um, can, can you control your thoughts? Absolutely. How? Um, I don't have to be the thought. I have random thoughts go through my mind, but they're not me. Yeah, they're just a random thought. So how do you control them? If they're random thoughts and they just show up, are you controlling them? I have the control if I can. I can latch onto it and believe it, or I mm-hmm. can just go, "Oh, it's just some random thought," and laugh at it and let it move on. So that's how I control it, but and that's control. So do you create your own thoughts? Um, yes, and and also no. I get random thoughts like. The other uh, five years ago, I had a, I'm sitting there drinking orange juice with mango flavoring, and I had this random thought out of the blue in my head, boy, vodka would sure be good in this. Yeah. <laughs> and my glands salivate as if I could taste the, right? Sure. So that was a random thought, but I laughed at the thought because I, it has no power because I don't drink. 
And so that was a random thought that I, I wasn't thinking of booze or anything like that. So mm-hmm. in that moment, but, uh, but can I, can I train myself to control the way I think? Absolutely. Yeah. Maybe the way you think, but can you control the thoughts from coming in? Mm-hmm. You believe you can. Cause yeah, what I, about that random vodka thought? Did you create it or did it just show up? Um, well, it just showed up. I hadn't thought about vodka forever, mm. but maybe it was a, a memory, a distant memory. You know, and again, we can split hairs here, Brandon. Yeah, no, I just asked him the know, question. But here's the thing. I can sit in the silence and truly not think. Yeah. So, like, I, I do this experiment with my clients even. I'll say, okay, we're going we're gonna to just sit in the silence, and I want you to just pay attention to what you're hearing. Right, what you're seeing. Yeah, just literally, and I've got a really powerful example. If there's time to talk about a, a, an ex an ex Navy SEAL that I worked with, that uh, it was one of the most amazing experiences he's ever had, and it was really cool. But but I really believe that in that silence, I've I've learned to stop the way I stop my thoughts. Yeah, you know. Oh. So I don't know what you think on that, but that's that's yeah. I believe that. Yeah, I've experienced it. It's no like. If, if I'm experiencing anxiety or depression, like I almost can't help but feel that way. It's like a happening because I'll put the past on the present and it, it just happens. But if I could control my thoughts, I would never have another negative thought or a bad experience. So I think... Well, I think what you're saying you know, is, can I control them 100% of the time? Probably not. Yeah. But can I control it in the moment that I need to? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I was, uh, I had an, ex- an, an example where I was getting ready to speak at Murray High School, and I'm in the back, the place is full, and they're announcing my bio, you know, and I'm sitting back mm-hmm. there, and I've done a thousand of these, you know, I'm like, yeah. and I start getting anxious back there. I'm like, well, my heart started kind of pounding, and I had to, okay, I had to, what am I thinking right now? And I'm thinking, oh, these kids aren't going to listen to me. Like, they're not going to listen to me. I'm some old guy walking out on a stage, <laughs> right? And that's when I said, okay, all I have is now. My natural state is joy. So I, I got focused on, no, this is what I'm going to tell. I'm going to tell myself the truth in this moment. Yeah. And then I went out there with confidence, and I, and I, I nailed it, yeah. right? But had I let those continue yeah. to flood, oh, my gosh, they're not going to listen. I get out yeah. there, hi, kids, you know, and they would have noticed this guy is scared. Yeah, he has no nervous. confidence. He's nervous, yeah. what have yeah. you, kind of yeah. thing. So, But it's just crazy for me to think about where that thought comes from. Like, hey, these kids aren't going to listen. I think the thoughts just show up. Byron Katie says all thoughts are recycled. Do you ever, do you ever you're believe? Definitely, you're definitely a Byron Katie fan, oh, obviously. Oh, huge. Have you ever thought about <laughs> that, that your thoughts are... Um, that you've never had an original thought. Have you ever considered that? See, that's where we overcomplicate. It's like, yeah. why do I need to do that? Like, that's where I go, Brandon. It's like, why do I need to sit and contemplate that? All I know is I, I thought creates feeling. Right. And if I can do my best in controlling the way I think, I'm going to feel pretty damn good. Sure. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, like, people ask me all the time, are you always this happy? And, and I really am. Yeah. I have moments of feeling anxious. I have moments of feeling sad. Yeah. But luckily, I can, I've learned how to get through that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I'm just more simplistic, honestly. Yeah. I've never actually, Keep and I'm just simple. being real with you. Sure, I've no. never thought of, where does that thought come from? Yeah. It's just you know? interesting. It is. It's an interesting thought. It is. <laughs> 
Because yeah. I sit and go, oh, man, where that? It, it feels like to me they just show up, and then i got to learn, like you said, to either un- understand them, observe them, and then how to be able to right. contemplate them. But for me, it works best to just question the thought. Yeah, and, and the thought settles down yeah, for and, me. Yeah, and that works. And if that so, worked, I would never argue yeah. with that. Yeah. You know, and, and there's different ways and everyone has Absolutely. their own personality. Yeah, and and that's why it. I asked the question. Yeah. I want to I want to know your go to on how to, you know, calm the mind because yeah. we all have. Mine is that simple. That all I have go, is right? now. My natural yeah. state is joy. Yeah. And it, for me, it puts me, like you said, in the present. Sure. And I take that deep breath and go, Big OK, deep breath. five yeah. seconds has from now hasn't happened yet. Five seconds ago, gone forever. Nothing I can do about it. Absolutely. But what can I do right now? Um you know, and, and maybe those thoughts are stuff that's been fed into us from the time we're born and they, they just randomly appear that way. I oh, don't know. Sure, yeah. But like that's, you, a, that's yeah. a good question. You talked earlier about our conditioning. You know, we're conditioned into this world. Right. We're this little two, three, four-year-old angel and then we get conditioned and we start believing our thoughts. And right. then that's where all the pain, anxiety, depression, addiction right. shows up because we don't know how to manage our thoughts. Right. right. Yeah. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, how could our listeners contact you since uh, you're short for time? I want to I want to uh, meet again in a couple months too. I would love to because I got several more questions for you. Yeah, I, and I'm sorry, I didn't know how long you no, wanted. It's all good, <laughs> but I got a lot more uh, good questions. That yeah, I just, I like to hear. I mean, you're you're an experienced guy. You've been out there doing this for 20, 25 years, and I I love to hear sure. people's minds. Right? How? What are you doing to stay happy? To stay sure. positive? To you know give back? You know, you're doing yeah. amazing things in the world. You Thank know, you. how how, uh, how do you able to you know keep that going and continue to put one foot in front of the other and yeah. and function as a positive, kind, loving human being on this planet? And I that's kind of that. where my questions I, are. Well, I love that. And and if I could actually share something before we sure. get into, um, I call it the greatest truth on the planet. Okay. And it's something that I learned early on in uh, in my recovery, and I actually believe I'm recovered, by the way, and not not in an arrogant way, but it's just I'm not. That's not that's not what yeah. I do anymore. Sure. Um, but it's the greatest truth, and it's something that I've embraced. And just that truth alone is a lot of times that will bring me back to center. Yeah. You know, bring me back to that present moment, like you talk sure. about, and. Yeah. And it's this, is that there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with you. I have a quote above me. So when my clients sit down for the first time, they read that. I have them read it out loud. And it says, the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And it's, it really truly is, is something that I figured out. And it took me a minute. Because sure. I used to walk around believing something was wrong with me. Yeah. And that thought and belief caused a lot of pain in my yeah. life. Yeah. And so... When I'm going through a tough time, for me personally, a lot of times I'll go, okay, ultimately there's nothing wrong with me. Sure. You know, I, it doesn't mean I don't have things I got to improve on. It means to my core, like when we were, you know, one years old again, yeah. we're good. Yeah. To our core, we were born that way. We just forget it. And there's times in my life, even to this day, I still forget it. And I got to remind myself, hey, sure. dude, there's nothing wrong with you. Why are you stressing about this, 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 or this? Mm-hmm. And come back to that moment now yeah. kind of thing yeah. so keep yourself grounded yeah love it um <laughs> and you're not uh an alcoholic or an addict that's no. a belief system yep right yeah 
why would I call myself an alcoholic? I haven't yeah. had a drink in 30 years. I know. That makes no sense. That's why uh, that, you know, AA, and you go there, stand up there. I've only been once, but hey, I'm an alcoholic. My name's yeah. Brandon. Like, you're telling yourself. Yeah. Like, words are so powerful. You know yeah. what I mean? That was one of my questions today is for you. I was going to ask you, too, is like, you know, words are powerful. And who would we be without words? Who would you be and who would I be if words didn't exist? That's a good point. Words are powerful. You know? Yeah. And I think labels are cages or labels can set us free. Right. So whenever I've been to a meeting, um, not in the beginning, but later on when I learned what, what really was real to me was... Yeah. I'll just say, hi, I'm Todd. I'm grateful to be clean today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm not an addict. Yeah. I don't need to even yeah. go there. Yeah. Why you would know? you tell yourself you're an addict, you know? <laughs> you you're know? throwing, the, like you said, you had Kelly on, Davis on, and whatever you throw out there is what you get, right? You get it back. So yeah. why would you keep throwing that out there, you know? <laughs> throw out yeah. positive affirmations. I like, I like the saying, what follows I am follows you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's just the way it is, you know? So... Yeah. Love but it. yeah, I agree with you, Brandon. Words are powerful, and they can they can build up heavenly mansions of peace and joy, or they can be the weapons that destroy us. Absolutely. So, yeah. so how can the listeners contact you? Sure, uh, um, Todd. So yeah, they, probably the best way is uh, they can go to my website is ToddSylvesterInspires dot com, and there's a link for um, you know uh, info. You just click on the info. Uh, button and and you can get to me there. You can also I, I'm an open book. I you know you can text me. That's actually probably the number one way is. Yeah. And my number is eight zero one eight seven zero four four one two, and you can shoot me a random text if you have a question about this podcast or any information that you've heard or want clarification on. I'm happy to answer cool. those things too. It's kind of you to throw your number out there. I don't. You're I don't. Busy yeah. man. <laughs> you working seven days a week, twenty four hours a day. No, I'm working a lot, but not that much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I always try to share one exercise that the uh, listeners can do. Um, do you have an exercise that uh, you could recommend that helps listeners? And if not, I got one to share. Um, I'll a mind exercise. A mind exercise. Yeah. Well, um, I I challenge my clients, and because, and again, I try to practice what I preach is. When your alarm goes off in the morning, pop out of bed like a piece of toast. Wow. I mean, literally. See, what happens is, is what most people do in this world, when the alarm goes off, they hit snooze, and they subconsciously and sometimes consciously set their intent for the day. Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to get up. Oh, I, just 10 more minutes, please. Yeah. You have just manifested that you're going to be tired and the morning's going to drag. Yeah. But try this, listeners. Just try it. I mean, I know you're thinking, oh, how do I do that? Try it. Act like your bed's on fire. When that al- yeah. when your alarm clock goes off, yeah. you pop up like there's a spider on you. Yeah. And, and then you state with authority your intent for the day. Like I got up this morning because I knew I was going to be doing this podcast. I'm doing family night at Wasatch Recovery. And I said... I, Todd, am full of energy today, and today's going to be amazing. I don't hope for success. I demand it. And I really believe that the universe always responds with a yes to everything I say. So that is the, and that is a true mind exercise in the sick because you pop out and people say, well, I'm really tired. No, you'd be surprised. The tiredness just shoots out of your body and you're ready to rock and roll. 
Yeah, I can uh, <laughs> I can attest to that. That's my toughest part of my day is, uh, and I don't use an alarm clock. I just wake up naturally, usually oh. with the sun. But I'll lay there for five minutes, ten minutes, and right. then the mind starts going. Yeah. But when you pop out of bed, which uh, I have, you know, do practice often, I notice my day goes better. Oh, yeah. You know, because you just get up, you get going, you brush your teeth, and you're more just in the moment. But when you lay in bed and consider your day, uh, that's where my anxiety typically kicks in is first thing in the morning. Yeah. So that's a great thought. It is. And it's a great way to just now your mindset's where you want it to be and... You know, and it's good to lay there in bed and relax too. That's nothing yeah. wrong with that. But it's when you allow your thoughts to take you yeah. to another, you know, feeling that yes. you don't want, you yeah. know, kind of thing. So when you start believing the <laughs> negative thoughts or exactly. they start scaring you about your day, yeah, that's what I call anxiety. So thanks. That was a great sure. share. Thank you. So thanks, Todd, for uh, coming on. That was a amazing. Uh, My pleasure. Interview. Um, My you've pleasure. Got a hell of a lot of uh, ideas in that mind there. <laughs> it's going 100 miles an hour. You shared. <laughs> Some you know an amazing story, and oh, really, I'd like you. to have you back on again. And I would love to share some other. Uh, Let's do it. Thoughts and whatever, and uh, I'm uh, I'm amazed and I'm proud, and and I could almost say I'm jealous, which my goal <laughs> is to not be jealous okay. of other human beings. But you're yeah. out there changing the world. You know, I'm doing it to a little baby amount. You're you're full throttle. Well, so uh, it's I'm, I uh, I commend you. Thank you. Good I job, think. brother. Thank you, Brandon, and thank you for having me on here. And uh, it really is an honor. And you know, everyone who knows you thinks the world of you. You're just a you're a good guy, and I'm grateful to know you and rub shoulders with yeah. you, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Love your family, and thank uh, you. And uh, appreciate you honestly showing yeah, up. Thanks, absolutely, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. Thank you. <laughs> Final thought: Just want to thank all you guys for uh, taking some time out of your busy day to listen to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate uh, your time. And uh, if you're out of balance, question your mind and question those negative thoughts. And uh, as I love to say, we're twins and we're all equals here, kind of sharing similar thoughts. And do your best to go and take care of your lovely self. The better you take care of you, the better human being you'll be on this planet. If you need to contact me, mm-hmm. you can find me on the mindsgym at gmail.com. And uh, please subscribe to this podcast and tell all your friends and Peace and love to you all, and now go exercise and and challenge your lovely mind. One thing I said at the gym today to my brother is sometimes when my mind starts going the wrong way, I've noticed I haven't been working as often to keep my mind clear. So uh, right. it's for me, it's a little bit of work, 15, yeah. 20 minutes a day, meditation, whatever it be, and you know, keep your mind clear. So my thought would be work on that mind. I love it. Thanks again, Todd. Thank you, man. You're a beautiful man. You too. Thank you for having me. Thanks, listeners, and uh, peace out, and we'll see you soon.